So was there any point you like questioned whether or not this was the right career for you or anything? Like, did you? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I'd been a bit licensed for about three months, had no deals coming to me, started to panic, you know, that I would never make another paycheck ever again. And I even kind of had a low point where I reached out to some banks and tried to see, you know, how do I go to be a mortgage specialist? I knew that they had a little salary, right? Where at least I could start bringing yeah. in some money. And everyone just kept telling me to stay in the broker channel. But I didn't know, you know, what I was going to do in the broker channel if I didn't have any deals. So luckily I had a supportive husband that kind of knew that I could succeed and knew that I could get deals funded. So once I did switch to Bricks, I worked really hard in, you know, the program, attending the live trainings and kind of executing the knowledge to get those deals funded. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Today's my Rookie Mortgage Broker podcast, and I have Ashley Najim. Ashley is a new mortgage broker, got her license in April of 2022, and kind of floundering a little bit, and then end up joining Bricks and shares her experience of already funding five mortgages. She's got three or four more set to fund this month. And she's very close to breaking our record. So the fastest anybody's funded 10 mortgages with us is 165 days from no mortgages at all to 10 mortgages. And she's gonna be at nine mortgages in 150 days. And so she's gotta refi that. She might break the record, we'll see, it's very close. The amazing thing about this is that she's actually, when we did it last year, the market was better than this year. So it's a very challenging market to go out and find 10 mortgages in that short period of time. But Ashley is a hustler. And one of the things that we didn't touch on in the show, what I talked to her about before the show is that her motivation, I was trying to figure like, what's driving you, Ashley? Like, what's making you? And she's like, I just don't want to go back to my other job. And I have found that for the people that are rapidly successful tend to really get clear on their why, because then they'll just push through the tough stuff and do it. Very inspiring conversation. You're going to enjoy this. Check this out. And also on today's Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Ben McCabe on battling the misconceptions of reverse mortgages. Uh, before we jump into that, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform. Very easy for borrowers to use. And as they're filling with that application, it's automatically knowing what documents that they need. Immediately when they hit send, it sends them a email saying, hey, looks like this is what we need from you. They can upload the documents and then you can view them, give them a thumbs up, thumbs down. It's also integrated with Lender Spotlight. Lender Spotlight is the best tool for researching rates and guidelines. Check them out at lendes.com slash Finmo and uh, check out this conversation with Ashley. Hey, Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from. So I was born and raised in Sarnia, Ontario. Still live here with my husband and two young kids. Me and my husband, we like to travel a lot. Um, obviously, before we had kids, we do still travel now. It's kind of, you know, Florida and family friend resorts, but we're looking to go to Italy this year. So that's our exciting plan <laughs> for a 10-year oh, nice. anniversary. How long did you get into mortgages and what were you doing before mortgages? So I got licensed in April of 2022. I was in university prior. I was taking a degree to be a registered nurse and I absolutely hated it. When my husband and I were first purchasing our very first home, the mortgage specialist that we were dealing with, she was actually talking about how she was going to be retiring soon. So I was at a family dinner and telling my family, you know, I wanted to leave school to be in financing and they all thought I was insane. Told me to keep going and once I finished, I would really like it. Yeah. You know, fast forward get a, eight get years. Get a safe I, job that, yes. you know, that's what they always say, right? So even yes, back then, you, you didn't want to do it, right? 
No, I hated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never liked it. So, I mean, I did keep going with nursing. I did work for about six years. Still didn't like it. They worked with some good people. So it was a manageable, you know, I did have a good paycheck, things like that. So fast forward though, you know, to 2021, it was COVID. I was pregnant. I had just gone off on maternity leave and pretty much said like, I can't go back to that job. It was just too much for me. The environment wasn't the best. So I took the mortgage agent course on maternity leave when Harper was about six months old and started promoting myself to family and friends that this is what I was doing. And I just figured, you know, the deals would fall on my lap since, you know, I had a couple of realtors in the family who, you know, could give me all their business. Right. So I do want to actually ask you about getting business from family in a little bit here. So did you decide to start full-time, part-time? What was your process into mortgages? Uh, So when I got licensed, I was still on maternity leave. So, you know, I was kind of just slow rolling it. And then when Harper was napping, I could, you know, do some education, kind of learn all about lenders and things like that. And at my previous brokerage, I probably reached out to 10 people to try and find these learning tools, but nothing was provided. So I had a great mentor, but she was so busy and it's not like I could go to her house and watch what she was doing. Cause you know, I had a 12 month old at home. So, right. you know, I didn't know how to find the clients and I didn't know how to interact with them, things like that. And so one night I was actually just scroll. This is a long winded story. Sorry. One night I was okay. scrolling on the, I love mortgage brokering site and Jeff Mudrick had actually just posted saying like, this is how I was successful in my first year. So I reached out to him and kind of asked, you know, what should I be doing? And he mentioned the brokerage. So yeah, I kind of hopped on board and I had three months left. I gave it all that I had. And then, yeah, it's kind of been snowballing since then. So I guess long-winded answer, I'm (laughs) full-time. I'm not nursing anymore. You're not nursing. And we touched on that a little bit before we turned on that. You don't want to go back to that. That's not on the the list of things. It's not really an option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting, you know, on the mentor, I think that the challenge that I've seen with the mentor model is that if they're good, they're busy. And if they're busy, then, as you said, you couldn't just go sit in an office, even if they worked in an office. So that makes it challenging. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Okay. So I think you've been with us like less than 100, 150 days is coming up here pretty soon. And so how has that yeah. gone so far? Like, tell me what, what your you know pipeline looks like in terms of like how many files you have going on. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. So I actually have five that have funded. I have three more this month that are funding. All of those were totaling over $2 million of mortgages. And then in my pipeline, I actually just have $5 million of clients just sitting there kind of waiting on the fence between either pre-approval or looking for a house right now. So yeah, not too bad so far. (laughs) No, that's really good. I think you're going to end up another one you just submitted. So you might end up with nine this month, which is Fantastic. And what about like, how has it been? You do have some family in real estate. How's it gone for getting business from family? I know that they love you and appreciate you, but I'm just curious about (laughs) how that's gone. Yeah. So my husband is not my number one referral partner, nor have we done any deals together. I've done one deal with my mom and then three of the deals have been with other realtors that I connected with. And then three of the deals have been from my own, you know, family and friends who kind of reached out through social media. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and the thing is, is that there will be business coming from family. I'm sure it's just it'll happen in its own time. Mm-hmm. So was there any point you like questioned whether or not this was the right career for you or anything? Like, did you? Oh. Go 
Absolutely. <laughs> I'd been a bit licensed for about three months, had no deals coming to me, started to panic, you know, that I would never make another paycheck ever again. And I even kind of had a low point where I reached out to some banks and tried to see, you know, how do I go to be a mortgage specialist? I knew that they had a little salary, right? Where at least I could start bringing yeah. in some money. And everyone just kept telling me to stay in the broker channel. But I didn't know, you know, what I was going to do in the broker channel if I didn't have any deals. So luckily I had a supportive husband that kind of knew that I could succeed and knew that I could get deals funded. So once I did switch to Bricks, I worked really hard in, you know, the program, attending the live trainings and kind of executing the knowledge to get those deals funded. Right. That's fantastic. You know, you've got nine files in your belt just about now. Can you think back to one that you lost now looking back, go, oh, I would do something different? Because I always find there's a lesson in it. Yeah. So this is kind of a funny one. So my very first file was actually um, my husband's client. She was a first time home buyer and he was about to send her to the bank to get pre-approved. And then when I asked him to send the client to me, he was so reluctant. I was like, do you know the proper questions to ask her? Like, can you get the steps to get her pre-approved? It was a strange situation. Like, no, I don't know what to ask her. Like, I don't know how to ask these questions without getting the deals. And I had reached out to my mentor. She was actually on a vacation at Disneyland. I'm like on the phone with her texting her like, what questions do I ask this client? So I felt so defeated. And I wasn't even surprised, you know, that she went to the bank afterwards. Right. And then she actually just closed a house with my husband there. So she did end up going to the bank. She did get a higher rate. But I think, you know, if I had that client today, I for sure could have closed. You would have got her. One of the things that we think about is there's always finding business. So that's like lead gen. Do you reach out to you? What do you say? How do you get a meeting? And then the second is now you get the client. Now, what do I see with the client? That was the challenge you ran into. You had your husband's like, hey, I got a referral for you. But then you're like, that's the discovery call, strategy call. So how has going through that training, as well as having specific coaching on discovery call and strategy call helped you now that you know how to do it? Yeah, so I think, you know, Ben provides like a guidance for the discovery call training. So I was able to ask those questions. And then once, you know, you kind of get more confidence in that, Clients all of a sudden want to work with you because you're confident in giving those answers. And then, you know, they like and trust you because you know what questions to ask. You're not fumbling on your own words and things like that. Right. That, that makes sense. sense. I think most people don't realize how important that first call is. It often when I see somebody on the Facebook group or they're saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe I lost this file. I'm like, you actually lost it on the first call. Unfortunately, the first call is that important. And the more experience you have, the more you realize that. But the quicker you can learn the questions to ask, how to manage the phone call, the better, right? So that's very Absolutely. interesting. So, you know, there's two main skills. I would say you got to learn underwriting and sales, which has been harder for you to learn and why do you think? Oh, definitely underwriting. So when I took the course, you know, Harper was six months old and I was so sleep deprived. I barely remember anything from that course. Yeah. Um, and for me, I just need to experience something for the knowledge to stick. So a huge draw to the brokerage was that underwriting support team. Anytime, you know, I have a random question or I'm stuck in a file, I pop into that room and they're always so helpful. And even Sarah, she's honestly my angel submission coach. I talk to her more than I talk to anybody else during the day. So if I have a question on a file, she's just there always. She loves you too, by the way. Like, you know, she's like, oh, "Oh, she's amazing. (laughs) So she, I think you have a great working relationship with her. Yeah. I always tell her, I'm like, Sarah, I'm so stressed out. And she's like, it's okay. You're too hard on yourself. I'm like, okay. She thinks I'm annoying, but (laughs) she's so Uh, sweet. I don't don't think she's, she's super sweet. She's super sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what for you has been the biggest takeaway from, you know, having this kind of structure around you for your business? 
I think it's just given me, you know, confidence to ask clients the right questions during our first interaction, which in turn gives, you know, clients confidence to work with me. You know, so I attend Ben's live training. He always talks about getting those clients to like and trust you on a discovery call, which has been the huge thing. And then, you know, as kind of just the brokerage in itself is everyone's so supportive. So I was in a live training about the customer journey. I was there during my hundred day challenge and I was becoming overwhelmed, you know, creating that journey when I hadn't even really funded a file at that point. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, Ray was talking about his client journey and I kind of reached out and just said like, Hey, I was wondering if I could ask you a few questions. And within 10 minutes, he literally sent me everything he had um, <laughs> that he had done. So that was probably hours and hours of work. So at that point, it was, you know, so easy to tweak it for how I wanted it and save me so much time where instead I could find business. So right. just yeah, yeah. find things like that. The collaboration is actually the part that's the most exciting to me because what I love is that we try to find our best ideas. We give them to our people. We create a collaborative environment and then they share ideas and they come back with new stuff. I didn't think of. I'm like, that wasn't in the manual, but that's a really good. Sometimes the experiments they run don't work, but that's okay. But sometimes they do. And you're like, that's actually an improvement. And then we try and implement that into, you know, for everybody to benefit from. So that is definitely one of my favorite things to do. I can ask some rapid fire questions. You can answer the shorter answers to like, what's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? I feel like I'm an open book. So everybody knows my stories, but one random fact, I guess, is when I was like 10 or 11, my grandpa actually gifted me and my sister both a horse for Christmas. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. And, and so you still have the horse or no? No, we got rid of it. My poor mom, she was like a single mom, could barely like afford to put food on the table. And then my grandpa gives us this horse and now she's like going in debt over these horses. <laughs> oh, okay. That's not good. Um, <laughs> so very interesting. What's a movie everyone should watch at least once? Gosh, I don't think I've watched a movie in over two years. So I just love comedies, anything with Will Ferrell or or you probably watch you know, most Adam Sandler. There's a lot of Cocoa Melon on our <laughs> on our yeah. household. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite movies is when your kid gets older is Megamind. So it's like Will Ferrell. It's a cartoon, actually. It's okay. Will Ferrell, Tina Fey, Jonah Hill. Like it's just it's a hilarious. Brad Pitt's in it. I probably watched it a dozen times at least. I, I literally know every, like, I'm like a sort of mildly autistic kid. So I'm like, I don't know every line of that movie. <laughs> we'll we'll add it to the list because we've been watching a lot of during Christmas. <laughs> yeah. um, so what's three software programs or tools you can't run your business without? Obviously Finmo. I mean, I started with Velocity and I find Finmo is just so much more user-friendly. I love Canva for designing and marketing material. And then Hilo, I upload that to my social media. And I guess Zoom, because obviously you can't be part of the brokerage without it. <laughs> yeah, Zoom for sure. Canva is amazing. And how have you found the marketing yes. resources? Have you been using any of those? Uh, yeah, so I actually was using Sarah's marketing material before she came into the brokerage. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I love it so much. And it's just, I get comments all the time from friends and family. And actually, I just ran into a lawyer in uh, shoppers. She was like, Hey, I recognize you from your Instagram and we connected that way. So, you know, if that's another referral partner, then that's perfect. <laughs> so it's working. Right. Yeah. First stuff is fantastic. Like it really is. So what's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker? I actually came across a quote the other day. It's not everyone is disturbing of a mortgage. And that resonated really deeply. You know, my first few files, I tried so hard to like get the mortgage funded, but due to certain circumstances, you know, either they had bad credit or they just didn't have any money to put down as a down payment. Um, and I felt like, you know, I failed them that I wasn't able to get them a mortgage and crush yeah. their home ownership dreams. But, you know, this is the great part of the job as well, where I give those clients, you know, some financial teaching and six to 12 months down the line, a year or two, they can come back and, you know, I can secure them a mortgage, which is 
just makes me feel great. Yeah. How do you say that again? Not everyone. Not everyone is deserving of a mortgage. You're right. It's for sure. Because if you care about people and you want to help them all, but you can't, like when I was a paramedic and my boss used to say, you can't save everybody, like no matter what. Yeah. So, you know, kind of the same thing. You do your best, but at least in our business with a little bit of guidance, people can come back later and they could become homeowners or be able to borrow money at some point. So in knowing what you know now, if you were to start over again today, is there anything you do different? Well, I mean, this sounds so cheesy as I'm talking to like the owner of the brokerage, but I just wish, you know, I joined Brick sooner. Um, I feel like, you know, I kind of missed the summer market of, you know, 2022, just not being able to secure deals. And now once I'm finally getting these deals and know kind of what to do, you know, the market has downshifted. So I've had to work really hard and get creative to fund those deals. Right. Well, hey, we're glad to have you. And I know that you're going to continue kicking butt and congrats on your success so far. And yeah, it's awesome. So I'm looking forward to see. We'll have you on the other show at some point, you know, another year. So like, hey, hey, what you up to now? And you'll be like, oh my gosh, Scott, you're not going to believe all the things that have happened in the last year and a bit. So thanks for coming to me, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Hopefully you got some inspiration from Ashley's story. So impressive that what she's doing, given the current market conditions, which is very challenging and still going out and hustling. And I would say to you listening to this, if you're a rookie, is you need to get really clear on your why. The people who have had a ton of success very quickly have are really clear on why they want to do it and they just do it. And they know that even though it's hard, they push through it. So I would encourage you to do the same. If you want to find out more about how we help rookies get their business going, go to rookie to rockstar.ca. I've got a webinar there you can check out. In this next segment, I talked to Ben about misconceptions of reverse mortgages. Hey, Ben, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, how's it going? So, hey, tell me what's the topic that we're going to dive into today. Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously we're a reverse mortgage business. We're a fintech reverse mortgage business. And sort of in my role, spend a lot of time talking to banks and, you know, venture capital companies and, you know, different sort of investors about what we're doing with the reverse mortgage market. And one of the things that we often bump up against when we're talking to third parties that aren't super familiar with this sector and what exactly we're doing is like, a lot of people still have lots of misconceptions about sort of this space, about reverse mortgages. And, you know, they've succumbed to kind of some of the stigma around reverse mortgages that still persists from a previous generation of this product. And so we were chatting with one investment group recently, and they kind of asked us to provide like a case study of just like your kind of classic reverse mortgage, you know, customer story. What is it exactly that you're doing for people? And so kind of coincidentally, we had just closed like in the, you know, a couple of days before, like what I thought was literally right down the middle, like a perfect, like just exactly a quintessential reverse mortgage story. We threw together a case study for them. So I figured, you know, we could talk about that with you as well. Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. So basically people have this conception in their mind of what a reverse mortgage client looks like. And then they were like, Hey, show us an example of your typical client and how a reverse mortgage can make a ton of sense for somebody. So why don't we jump into like, give me the lowdown on what this person looks like. This will also help our brokers if they run into these clients to be, wait a second, in the back of their mind, they can be thinking, hey, would this be the right product for them based on this? So I think this will be helpful. Just even before we jump into that, like I think one of the main kind of misconception problems is that a lot of people have this idea, like they know that a reverse mortgage balance grows over time. So they have this idea in their head that it's going to basically eat away at the equity in the home and people might be left with sort of less assets at the end of the day, which might be the case if home prices don't grow at all. If there is home price growth, it won't be the case, but we don't need to dive into that. But I think like what people don't spend enough time on is just like how much we can improve the lives of our customers in the last 10, 15, 20 years of their lives, which I think is the most important element. So uh, yeah, why don't we just sort of jump into the story of, I've changed the names for confidentiality purposes, but we'll call them Bob and Shirley. Sure. Bob and Shirley. 
So Bob and Shirley lived in the uh, Kitchener-Waterloo area. Okay, Bob is 77 and Shirley is 68. They have a nice single family home and appraised at about $840,000. Now, Bob, he spent his career, he was self-employed. He was an entrepreneur. He was a self-employed contractor. For over 30 years, he retired in 2007. And Shirley, she worked in the not-for-profit sector and she retired in 2019. They both were gainfully employed throughout their careers, but neither of them were in an industry that would provide them with a nice, healthy kind of private pension after they retired, which is very common, right? So like many seniors, they retired and they were kind of reliant on just sort of CPP and OAS in addition to some very modest savings to last them through retirement. So is it common? I mean, I don't have a separate pension as a self-employed person. So how common is it that you see that people that get reverse mortgages don't have any other, like they don't have a private pension. So you're talking to people that were self-employed or whatever the situation was. Yeah, it's just really exceptionally common that people will sort of retire. They will have, you know, paid off most of their mortgage, but they will really be living on government benefits on CPP, OAS, and maybe a little bit of, you know, something else, whether they've, you know, saved into a RIF, they're now withdrawing on. But in the case of Bob and Shirley, they were really kind of our quintessential customer. They were sitting on a really valuable asset. But in terms of their income, Bob was making about $700,000 of CPP, $500,000 of OAS. Surely, but $500 of CPP and $400 of OAS. So when you add it all together, they were making about $25,000 per year. Okay. Right. Just over $2,000 per month. So, you know, that's a very common situation for, you know, our customers that are kind of recently retired. Okay. So just so I'm clear, basically they have a home, they make about $25,000 a year in income, but then of course they must have some other expenses. So what was their net? What was their livable money that they had prior to getting reverse mortgage? Yeah. So like an increasing proportion of seniors in Canada today, they weren't able to fully pay off their mortgage before they retired. So Bob and Shirley, they had about $220,000 of mortgage debt outstanding. Okay. Uh, there's about uh, $85,000 they had with one lender and they had a $140,000 HELOC you know, behind that. And so when you think about that $220,000 mortgage balance, they had to make payments on that of $1,047 per month. Okay. So gross income, gross household income for them was $2,156. And they had to kick out 1047 of that to pay for their mortgage, right? So that's 49% of their total household income, which was already quite, you know, not a large number, 25,000, was going to the bank, right? It was going to the bank, a, you know, a big five bank in Canada. So that's just obviously, like, that left them with $1,109 per month for every single other thing they would need to buy. Every single right. other part of, like, of their living expenses, which is obviously clearly inadequate, especially in a, you know, a high inflation environment today. Right. Okay. This came to you guys from a mortgage broker. How did you guys get introduced to this particular client? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This came to us from a mortgage broker. This was a classic, you know, refinance out the existing traditional first mortgage with a reverse mortgage scenario. So what we did for these people, as, as I mentioned, their home appraised at $840,000. So we were able to authorize $290,000 for them. So about 35% uh, loan to value ratio. Of that, they decided they didn't need to take it all up front. So they took 250 of that 290. So they've got a little bit left over if they want to come back for it later. Of that 250, we wiped out the two mortgages, the HELOC and the first mortgage. So 220,000 of that is gone. They had a small, uh, like a water heater lean against the house. So we wiped that out. We had to pay their ILA costs and our closing costs. They were left with about $20,000 of net proceeds that went into the bank account to help them with expenses and whatnot. But the main thing for them was we effectively, if you think about it, we doubled their take-home income. They doubled their take-home income, right? So before, after they took into account that payment they needed to make to the bank, they only had $1,000 of income that they could use for everything. 
once the mortgage was out of the way and those payments were out of the way, they now had $2,000, $2,156 of net take-home income, which still might not sound like a lot when there's no rent to pay, when there's no mortgage payment to make. That is just all net income to focus on living expenses, you know, which is a really a fundamental lifestyle change for Bob and Shirley. Oh, yeah. And a fundamental change to kind of like the level of financial anxiety and how far they needed to stretch a dollar. So you think about the sort of the level of comfort that they'll now be able to live in relative to where they were before. That is sort of the classic reverse mortgage story. Right. Yeah. And I can see, so when you put this case study together as an example, so then what was the feedback from the investor when you shared that with them? They- well, I mean, I think the thing that people really don't understand is they think that if we say that we're going to do a $250,000 reverse mortgage, that we're just dropping that into somebody's bank account and they're going to use that for whatever they might want to use it for and interest is going to accrue. They don't really think about what our customers think about, which is like, what is my actual take home income? I take home cash flow every month after that mortgage right. payment that I needed to make. Is it enough to kind of just scrape by? Or is it enough to live with like some level of a financial flexibility and some level of comfort, the ability to make a discretionary purchase here and there? And so when you walk through a story like this through, you know, by somebody who's not as familiar with this product and the solution that we offer, it kind of like opens their eyes to the way we're actually transforming people's lives in retirement and the way that our broker partners are transforming their clients' lives. As well, yeah. I think that your next case study should be Jack and Diane. Those stories. Jack and Diane. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll find a Jack and Diane. Right? We'll find a Jack and Diane. For the next time we do one of these, it'll be like, hey, this is a story with Jack and Diane. I think you're right, because like, what you're doing, it's not like they're taking the 50 grand and going to Vegas and like, you know, and I mean, if they want if they want to, whatever, it's your choice, you can do it. But the vast majority of people are doing it because they are looking at their monthly cash flow and living, you know, it's not superfluous stuff. In the most cases, it's just being able to live out your days in your own home and not have the stress of a payment and being basically cash poor, house rich yeah, and cash poor. So Exactly. Okay. Any last thoughts on this whole situation? No, I mean, look, about 80% of our customers look exactly like this, more or less like this. And I'm sure that brokers have a lot of clients in their portfolio that are struggling with the same type of thing that are maybe, you know, about to retire, retiring, recently retired. And it's not looking like they're going to be able to kind of sustain that standard of living that they got used to while they were working in retirement with less income, but still have that mortgage outstanding. In those cases, a reverse mortgage is just, you know, quite simply the best solution to fix the problem and to improve people's lives in retirement. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. So if you guys are listening to this, reach out to Ben and his team at Bloom Finance. It's bloomfin.ca. They can help you and your clients with this product. I think it's awesome. And yeah, thanks, man. And again, next one is Jack and Diane, and we'll find out how they're doing with their reverse mortgage. Absolutely. All right. Thanks again for listening to this episode with Ashley and Ben. Hopefully you got some ideas for your business. I also encourage you to go check out the I love mortgagebrokering.com website and you can set up a free power search account and you can keyword search all of our past podcasts and episodes literally find every moment that we talk about anything whether it's sales scripting realtors financial advisors underwriting tips you type that in it's going to jump you right to those episodes check it out at I love mortgagebrokering.com thanks again for listening to this episode this is an I love mortgage brokering production